Blog Talk Radio. You're listening to Wide Men Can't Jump on the Wide Men Radio Network, located at blogtalkradio.com slash widemencantjump and at widemencantjump.com. Here's the best pod in sports, bringing you all the NBA highlights, analysis, and even some college basketball analysis as well. This show is brought to you by the law offices of Stephen P. New and CamBay.com. You can find this show at iTunes, Podcast Addict, Stitcher, Google Play, FM Flash, iHeartRadio, and anywhere you find podcasts, as well at WideMenCan'tJump.com. Now let's go to the flagship program and this episode of Wide Men Can Jump. What's up out there, everyone? It's Wide Men Can't Jump. It is the 70th episode of the flagship program, and this is Nate, your host. And joining me again this week, my co-host, the one, the only, the greatest Canadian hero since Brett the Hitman Hart, the one and only, Tim Dombrova. More honest than Justin Trudeau. (laughs) What's up, Mr. Tim Dombrova, the Canadian hero? Have you changed that episode on purpose? What episode? Well, I thought it was episode 69 this week. I thought that was last week. Are you sure? Ladies and gentlemen, it is episode 69 this week. <laughs> As I've lost count. Episode 69, not episode 70. <laughs> We're off to a burning start today. Uh, that right, yeah. Quick, seggy, seggy, segue, quick, segue. 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 And we're back. It's episode. Oh, damn, they, we were we were in a time warp. Something we were there. we were a week ahead of time, and that that's never good to be a week ahead. But so anyway, episode, episode. Of course, you would remember when it was sixty nine, right? It's <laughs> damn episode, right, I would. <laughs> it's episode sixty nine, and uh, you may like the title of this one, Tim. The title might give away what we're going to talk about: the Lost Angeles Lakers. What do you think well, of that? that? That's pretty good. You could have went further and put the Los Angeles Fakers also would have been all right with me. <laughs> well, let's go ahead, Tim. Uh, let's let's talk about it. It's been the hot-button topic this season in the NBA. Uh, LeBron goes to L.A., and everyone automatically assumes he's going to put the team on his back and he's going to take them to the promised land, the playoffs. <laughs> and right now the Lakers are... Losers of three straight, four games under 500. They are right now five and a half back of the, the last spot in the West to make the playoffs. And the odds of the Los Angeles Lakers making the playoffs now are under, I think it was like under 10%. It's like way <laughs> down this year. In the words of... Uh... The immortal rock band Twisted Sister with a little bit of a twist. We're not going to make it. No, we're not going to make it. 
<laughs> it certainly doesn't look that way at the moment, but you never know. I'm not going to count oh, it out until no. it's over. Yeah, you, that's not enough yet. We're, we're, there's still too much wiggle room there, but it's not looking good. No, no, it's not. Not looking good. Uh, let's take a look back at the Lakers' schedule recently. Uh, they lost to the Clippers uh, recently, 113 to 105. That was on Monday, this past Saturday. And by the way, the Clippers are a playoff team right now. And we're going to talk a little bit about them in just a minute. But before that, they lose to the last place in the Western Conference Suns by nine. They lose to the Bucks this past Friday. They haven't lost, they haven't won a game in March as of yet. Their last win was against the Pelicans on February 27th. Before that, they lose to the Grizzlies in Memphis. They lose to New Orleans in New Orleans. They beat the Rockets, which was mesmerizing, but they lost to the Hawks. They lost to the Sixers. They lost to the Pacers, the Warriors, the Timberwolves. The Cavs, they lost to the Cavs and the Jazz. Going back to January, they lost to the Knicks. They've lost to the Timberwolves again. So there's some games here that the Lakers have better records. They should be winning. They have arguably the best player in the world, but yet they're not winning. What do you think is going on, Tim? What what do you find is the problem? Well, first off, I mean, we've kind of said since day one that there wasn't much there to start with. Team really wasn't that good without LeBron. Then they brought him in. Then he got hurt. Uh, God only knows what's going on between him, coach, behind closed doors that we don't get to see. We hear some rumblings now and then. I mean, supposedly Walt Nissan well, has been on the day. He's been on the, the way out since LeBron became a part of the team. Now it's become. Uh, uh, the press is starting to get to it that he's he's done for. How come they haven't fired him yet? Blah 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 blah. Now I see uh, Kyle Kuzma is out, sprained ankle. Uh, Brandon Ingram didn't play yesterday. Tyson Chandler's out. Stevenson is out. Like who the hell's playing for this team? LeBron and right now the, not much of anybody. <laughs> LeBron LeBron James and the and the Washington Generals, pretty much. So it looks. It's just been a a disaster of a season for the Lakers, for a team that was supposed to be so much better this year and supposed to be a playoff contender. I had them in the playoffs. I legitimately thought they'd make the playoffs. I did. Um, but it doesn't look like that's going to happen. It looks like now they're going to miss the playoffs. Uh, of course, you know, they're sitting there with my Wolves, so I can't. I can't talk too much smack because my Wolves are actually behind them by a half game. But, you know, this was a team that everyone okay, looked at and said. Take, take the Wolves at Minnesota Timberwolves and take, some, take one player out there besides Towns, of course, and give them LeBron. You think they're in the playoffs now? Like, give them – take one player off well, and give them LeBron? Take, yeah. Take, yeah. Take, take one player off the Timberwolves that isn't, that isn't Kyle Anthony Towns. And and trade LeBron to Minnesota and tell me if that oh, team yeah. doesn't make the playoffs. Oh, they're they in the do. playoffs for yeah, they're in there for sure. So why so why are the Lakers so bad? I mean, do we have to start looking at is this finally where LeBron mania this team doesn't like him? 
I'm, I'm getting the feeling that they do not well, care for him. Let's go back to when this resentment kind of started. LeBron wanted to make the – we say LeBron. I'll say the Lakers, but we, we have a feeling that it was a, a lot of LeBron behind it. The Lakers made it known that they wanted Anthony Davis. They made it very clear that they were willing to give up the entire team. And that was – and that, that, that you when you basically tell a bunch of players, hey – you're expendable because we're not winning with you. We're going to go get somebody who can win. That's got to rub guys the wrong way, especially when this was a team that was, we, we talked about it with Julius Randle, with guys like that. These were players that were improving. These were players that were getting better. These were players that were working hard at their game and they finished at the 11 last year in the in the regular season. Like they were they weren't great last season, but Lonzo Ball was getting better. Uh we've seen with Lonzo Ball out of the lineup that you know maybe he is more important to this team than we think. This was a, a Lakers team that had opportunities to make some moves this year had they kept everyone together. LeBron decides to come there. This is a young core that the Lakers have drafted, that they've been building, that they've been trying to get. They get a diamond in the rough in Kyle Kuzma. Brandon Ingram's not a bad player by any stretch. Uh, Lonzo Ball, he's a pretty decent player. Um, you know, they, they've got some, they've got guys. Uh, Zubak, who they traded at the, uh, the midway point for basically, uh, you know, not a lot of anything. They bring in LeBron, who... Can I say build the team in his image? Can I say that? Build the team he well, thinks he needs. Well, definitely, for for sure, minutes and who's out there is definitely he influences that, for sure. Yeah. But, again, I'm looking at this, and I'm going to remind everyone. This was a Lakers team that LeBron even said is not ready to compete. So, again, this is a Lakers team that's not ready to compete for a title. He did say that. He was very clear about that. And I've said it before. Now, remember, the beginning of the year, the Lakers were 7-2 to two odds at winning the championship. So, basically, 3.5 to 1, if you do your math. Um, <laughs> I thought that was insane then. I, I couldn't believe that. And it's starting to show. So I'm looking at this team, and there's so much drama going on right now because it's LeBron, because it's the Lakers. This is a team that got the best player, arguably, in the world, signed a bunch of one-year contracts that he picked out. They traded Julius Randle. They traded Zubach. They've traded everyone. And right now, we're the Lakers are 64 games in, so there's about 18 games to go. If they continue the way they're going right now, they're going to finish at about the exact same spot they finished last year. Now, where they go moving forward from there, they're obviously going to make a run to try and get somebody in the offseason. It's clear. 
there's no ifs, ands, or buts. They they are playing, and they sign these guys. You know, they trade and get Reggie Bullock. They get these players that have these short deals. And I'm going to go ahead. If you give me just a second, I'm going to pull up the Lakers contract situation right now, Tim. Um, and we're going to look and see who will be left after this season. All right. Next season, already LeBron James will be there. He's making next season $37 million. That poor bastard. Okay. You know who the second highest paid player on this team is, by the way, right now? I have no idea. That would be one Luol Dang. You know who Luol Dang plays for? Not the, the Minnesota Lakers. Timberwolves. <laughs> okay. The third highest salary on this team. And also, Luol Dang's contract is still in effect that they have to pay him. He's getting paid from the Lakers until 2021-2022. He's going to be making $4.99 million next season, the season after that, and the season after that. So, there you go for that. Um, Contavious Caldwell-Pope is the second highest paid player on the Lakers who won't be there next year. Rondo, $9 million. His contract is done after this season. Mike Muscola, $5 million this season. He's done after this year. Lance Stevenson, Reggie Bullock, Tyson Chandler, JaVale McGee, all contracts that are expiring. Next year, the Lakers have on cap right now LeBron for $37 million. Lonzo Ball will be making $8.7 million. Brandon Ingram will be making $7.2 million. Mo Wagner, $2 million. Kyle Kuzma, $1.9 million. Josh Hart, $1.9 million. Isaac Bonga, $1.6 million. And then, of course, Lou Aldang's $4.99 million. Next season, they have $66 million worth of that's how much they have. That's how much contract-wise they have next season, okay? How, how is rookie Moritz Wagner getting paid more money than Kyle Kuzma? How the, does that happen? It, it, it happens because of the way the contract structure went. The, the contract structure changed because Kuzma, Kuzma signed a deal as a rookie. And then the contract structure changed. So Kuzma's guaranteed money was three point six million, whereas Mo Wagner's is three point eight million. That was guaranteed money to them. <laughs> Only in the NBA. And it's just because of the way the T V contracts and the players union structured the deal. Yeah. yeah, but usually like other sports I shouldn't say other sports, hockey pro rates, all that stuff. So the yeah. guys who have no don't get, you know, Kuzma's been in the league, what, two years, three years? And uh, he, he actually, year two, maybe? Second year. Okay, and he plays all the time, and yet he gets paid less money than Mo, who rides the pine for most of the... Well, Kuzma was drafted 27. Um, he was drafted at number 27 with a pick from Brooklyn, and he came over in that deal uh, that sent D'Angelo Russell to Brooklyn. So he was drafted there. Let me. I, I don't remember right um, offhand. I don't some, remember right uh, offhand. I don't remember right offhand where Mo Wagner was 
was drafted at, what number. There may be some bonus money and or incentive money in there that makes up for that stuff. And and your pay pay goes down based on where you're drafted as well. Um, So let's just say Mo Wagner was taken. I'm I'm looking at the draft right now trying to find the list of where everyone was drafted. Mo is 25th. Okay, well, there you go. That's the difference in the salary. 25th versus 27th. Okay, for year one, I'm willing to buy that, but I just I don't understand how it just doesn't, it seems backwards to me. But whatever, I I, I don't know that, that that to me leads to dissension on a team where you've got a the possibility of a third year man who plays forty minutes a night making less money than a rookie who sits on the bench and doesn't play at all. Well, you're looking at or very one point one point six eight versus one point seven six, so. By the time the well, tax man done, right then, man. when 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 you're nine, when when you have an extra nine hundred thousand laying around, just give it to me. Don't worry about it. Well, again, this is these are <laughs> these are pro basketball players. That the rookie contract system is set up the way it's set up. There's no getting around. It's, yeah, well, there's that's no, true. That may be no but it's dumb. Now, it's when these two dumb. guys, when these two guys' contract come up. In a few years, let's see. Kuzma will be an unrestricted. He has a is this a player? There's a team option on Kuzma in 2020, 2021. There's also a player option or a team option on Mo Wagner in 2020, 2021. So basically, what they did was they've added two team options onto the contract during uh, the rookie year. Whereas on the old one, you were stuck with them for at least four years and you couldn't opt out. So after Kuzma's 2020-2021 season, he's going to be due a fantastic payday because he's going to get a lot of money. Now, he might not get it from the L.A. Lakers either. Just throwing it out there. Yeah, somebody's going to pay Kuzma. It just depends on who's going to pay him and where. Normally... They normally after the rookie deal, most players sign re-sign with the team they were on, and when you do that, you normally get a significant pay increase. I know because uh, Carl Anthony Towns received the max contract; he got 190 million dollars over five years. Well, all right. I mean, well, no, Kuzma no, no. probably won't get that much, but he's going to get no argument pay. from from me. I just it stuck out that that seems stupid to me. So anyway, let's let's backtrack to that. All right, so the the, the Lakers have got a whole pile of cap money. And they, they can, can, they can, they they can go fishing. Based on what I'm looking at here, this year the hit against the cap this year is $107 million. Next year it'll be $66 million. So you look at that, and the Lakers are looking at $41 million in free space to play around with. Now, they're going to have some exemptions, of course. They'll be able to sign some guys on the exemptions. They've got Alex Caruso and Jonathan Williams, both on two-way contracts they can bring up. They'll be able to sign a few players at the minimum who are going to want to come in and play with LeBron and possibly two other guys. Uh, they have the ability, Tim, to sign two guys at $20 million apiece next season, maybe more. They could even sign one huge contract next season for the right. thirty million, you know. Now this is where we, this is where we get down to the brass the brass tacks. I'm not so sure anybody wants to go there. 
again, that could turn into a problem. Uh, there's a lot of free agents out there next year, and they could bounce around anywhere. Let's look. Let's go ahead and take a look at the summer of 2019 um, free agent list. Because if you look at that, here's some of the, the the notable free agents. Kevin Durant, he'll have a player option, which he will probably not take to stay with Golden State, and he, he'll test free agency. Kawhi Leonard, same thing with the Raptors. Kyrie Irving can opt out of his contract. There's been a lot of rumblings, a lot of rumors that he may – there's been rumors that Kyrie wants to go everywhere. And I want to talk to our guest about that whenever he joins us here in just a little bit. Clay Thompson will be an unrestricted free agent at the end of the year from the Golden State Warriors. He will be able to go wherever he wants. Jimmy Butler has a player option at the end of the year that he can choose not to take, and he can test free agency. Kimball Walker a player who's been in Charlotte that nobody's been paying attention to really a fantastic player has no help in Charlotte. I think Kimba's wearing a new Jersey next season. Uh, Chris Stapps Porzingis is a restricted free agent in Dallas. He will likely re-sign with them. Somebody's going to make him an offer and Dallas will match it. There's just no ifs, ands, or buts. Tobias Harris will be a restricted, unrestricted free agent from Philly. Chris Middleton has a player option from the Bucks. He can test free agency. Al Horford has a player option. He can test free agency. So there's a lot of guys out there. That's just 10. There's more than that out there. Okay, but on that, on that list, mm-hmm. I, for me anyway, I, well, there's only one name on that list that if he goes there and they don't get anybody else, that they even have a shot and that's Leonard. I don't see Durant going there. I don't see Leonard. Leonard. He might go there, although the rumors are the rumors are that Toronto is doing one hell of a sell job on him. They're giving him everything he wants. They're pampering him. They're still winning. He's a god there. I've heard rumors now. I mean, you don't, you never really know, I guess. Yeah. But they, but at one time it wasn't. There was okay. There was no way he was. Here's a here's a few now more. it's Let become me, he might. Well, here's a few more free agents. I assume the here's a few more. Uh, Boogie Cousins, he signed the one year deal. He could end up in L.A. Uh, okay, Nikola but, Vucevic but, from the Orlando Magic. He's been a great player this year. I'm not saying that yeah. all these players are no, going no, to no, L.A. I, no, I'm I'm, I'm saying as, as only if one is, of them goes. Yeah, this is just my list of players in front of me. DeAndre Jordan, Nikola Miracic, Julius Randle, Mark Gasol, Eric Bledsoe, D'Angelo Russell. These are all the free agents next year. Um, Bojan Bogdanovic, Derek Rose, Goran Drogic, uh, Malcolm Brogdon, restricted free agent, J.J. Redick, Harrison Barnes has got a player option with the Kings, Brooke Lopez, Willie Cauley-Stein's restricted, Rudy Gay, Paul Millsap's got a team option. There are players this season. The oh, NBA I don't, I don't dispute any of that. The NBA is going to change majorly this offseason. I'm just looking at, I don't see, like in years past, he had enough of a team already where he was that if they could lure one big guy there, they were maybe not a shoe in, but they were pretty close. With the Lakers, that's not the case. 
they're going to have to unload half the world to get the person to start with. And it's basically going to be a, and I hate to say it, uh, LeBron's still a great player, but he is not what he once was. At least this year, anyway. Whether he's got, I think Father Time is starting to catch up a little bit. But whether he's slowed down a little bit or injuries, here's what I'm thinking though. Like I know people are are, are quick to call him out, and he's had some some moments this year where we're not exactly seeing the LeBron of old. However, and this is a big one, LeBron to me doesn't want to make the playoffs this year. And that's that's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking I'm not saying he's throwing the game. And I'm not saying he's not trying to win. Because I don't think it's in his nature to lose on purpose. And yet he to doesn't me, want to sit. Well, no, he doesn't because again, if you set LeBron, you're gonna end up with a reason to keep Luke Walton. <laughs> I hate to say that. But that and LeBron knows people come to the Lakers games to see him. And well, that article is from this morning. He was uh-huh. asked after after last night. Lee got a little something wrong with him, whatever it is. And his reply was that would take a lot of convincing from Luke Walton on up. Unless I'm hurt, I'm not sitting any games. So he's basically saying he's not hurt, and I I tend to disagree. I think he is. I think I think this may be a ploy by LeBron to get Luke Walton fired. I think this is a move that if <laughs> I'm on this team, more. if I'm on this team and playing and we don't make the playoffs and we don't win, then it has then to be Luke Walton's fault. It Luke Walton has to go. So we'll see about that. But we're joined right now by our guest from Hoops Habit and B Ball Riders. And we're going to talk about all things NBA. This is Duncan Smith. Duncan, thank you so much for jumping on with us. Hey, my pleasure, guys. How are you doing? Doing good. I'm glad we could get in touch and talk with you a little bit. And uh, Duncan's a good friend of uh, Rod Beard, who was on with us last week talking Pistons. And uh, he I, he retweeted the show, so it led to a conversation. And I said, you know what? we got to get him on talk some hoops. So thanks again for getting on here with us and talking some basketball. Anytime, anytime. All right. Well, let's go ahead. We've been talking Los Angeles Lakers here uh, to start the show. I know, apropos, right, or apropos or whatever the <laughs> word is. Um, the Lakers, you know, the, the whole situation with LeBron, we looked at their their team uh, contract situation. We looked at the list of free agents. What do you think's going on in Los Angeles with the Lakers right now? What's your take on all things that is the drama in L.A.? Uh, you know, I think right now what we see is um, a poorly constructed roster is basically playing to its potential, you know, um, with the moves that the Lakers made in the off season, uh, with the exception of signing LeBron, which, you know, everybody's to do and everybody should do given the opportunity. Um, it was just kind of a comedy show of errors in a way, you know, like um, signing Rondo, signing Lance Stevenson, um, signing Michael Beasley, uh, you know, who is maybe a, a serviceable NBA player, but right now he's a Chinese basketball player. Um, uh, it, it just it was a it was a bad off season. Uh, it was a badly constructed team. Um, I think that if LeBron had stayed healthy, uh, I think they probably could have 
kept things together, and I think that we would have uh, a, a different story on our hands right now. I think we'd probably have like a, a fifth or sixth seed in the West um, in the form of the Lakers if, if LeBron had stayed healthy. But you've got a team that just was not built to win, and you've got uh, LeBron who has just not been able to play a fully healthy season. And I think this is just sort of the way things were meant to play out given those circumstances. Yeah, and I look at this Lakers roster, and, of course, I'm not blown away by really a whole lot there. As I said earlier, the second-highest-paid guy on the team is Lou Aldang, who's not on the team right now. <laughs> um, and yeah. then Kavis Caldwell-Pope. It's just kind of – you're looking at it, and, you're, and, and LeBron even said, you know, this team's not built to win yet. Do you feel like maybe he doesn't want to touch the playoffs right now, that maybe he's more content with – you know what, I've played for how many years I've been in the playoffs. I've played USA basketball. I've put my body through the ringer. I'm getting older. I've only got so many games left in me. Maybe I shouldn't play in the playoffs unless I know I have a team that has a chance at winning a championship. I don't know if it's if it's quite like that. I think that um, I think given the opportunity to get into the playoffs, I think he would – I think he would vastly prefer to do that. Um, but, I mean, since he came back, he's kind of on the outside looking in. And um, he hasn't really gotten, I don't think, a whole lot of help. But Brandon Ingram, by the, qualifying this statement, Brandon Ingram has been playing very, very well. Um, but beyond that, um, I think I think that the team around him just is not built to to make that push. Um, I don't think that he necessarily wants extra time off, although maybe the body could use it. Uh, I think next year is probably going to matter a lot more than this year. Um, however, the off season plays out for them. Uh, but, you know, I think that maybe an extra two months off for LeBron could, could really uh, bear some fruit for them going into next season. I think so too. And uh, the rumor is Luke Walton is looking at um, possibly looking for a new job again soon. Um, do you think Luke Walton is, is part to blame to this, or do you think this is just Camp LeBron doing what they do and wanting to kind of have a say in who the coach is going to be of this team? Um, I think that this actually kind of falls on um, Magic and Rob Palenka's shoulders. Uh, I think that Luke was basically kind of set up to fall this year. I don't think he's done necessarily a, a superb job, but I think that the roster he was given uh, was basically nonsense. <laughs> Um, you know, surrounding LeBron with a bunch of non-shooters is um, is not a recipe for success. And the Lakers just pretty much, like, took that grenade this summer and jumped on it. Um, that's not Luke's fault. Um, I, I don't think that he is necessarily the coach um, that this team needs if they do want to get over that hump and, and make, like, a, a type run or whatever. Um, so, you know, whether whether the Lakers end up finding fault with him and they move on from him, um, I don't think that this whole debacle has been his fault. I think that he's really just been kind of in a bad hand. Tim, do you have anything you want to ask uh, Duncan here? We're kind of just going to jump around the league, talk some things. Tim's from Canada, Duncan. He's a uh, a very knows his Raptors pretty well. But uh, Tim, you got anything you want to ask Duncan? Yeah, let's let's jump over to the East for a minute. Let's let's talk. Let's get your take on the red hot Detroit Pistons. Yeah. <laughs> Um, they've uh, looking at the standings right now. Actually, I had to like double check 
back and see what this run's been like. And uh, they've won eight of the last ten. I think it's just been a matter of everything kind of coming together around the same time. Um, the shots started to fall. You know, like they were one of the worst three-point shooting teams. They might have actually been the worst three-point shooting team over the first half or so of the season. Um, and now just all the shots are going down, and that makes a huge difference. Everybody looks better when their threes are when their threes are hitting. Um, Luke Kennard has been playing out of his mind the last couple of weeks. Um, Reggie Jackson and Andre Drummond, who were more or less like the centerpiece, the combined centerpiece of of this team um, before Blake Griffin. Um, you know, ever since the playoff season uh, in 2015-16, uh, Reggie's been hurt. Um, Drummond has had uh, kind of inconsistent performances in spite of the fact that he always gets those rebound numbers. Um, but the last couple of weeks, the two of them have kind of had this synergy between them that they haven't really had in uh, years, really, since that playoff season. Um, the post-ups for Drummond have gone way down. The pick and rolls have gone way up. Drummond is just this um, ever-present threat around the rim, um, you know, finishing putbacks at a, at a rate that he hasn't done in uh, probably in his career. Um, he's just been really deadly doing the things that he's he's best at and um, kind of avoiding the things that he's not. And even when he gets the ball in the post, um, he's getting it deep. And when he's, when he's deep in the paint with the ball in his hands, um, there's shy of putting him on the line. Um, there's really not much way to stop him. And uh, he's been hitting his free throws at a high rate, too. Um, so uh, he's he's really kind of running himself into the complete package um, on both ends. He's just uh, he's kind of a destructive force on defense. Uh, plays the passing lanes really well. He, he disrupts um, what other offenses are trying to do. Uh, it's really been kind of impressive to see how everything's kind of come together um, around the same time. Uh, you know, usually you think that, like, you're going to have one guy clicking and everybody else is kind of uh, not really putting things together. Um, but it, it seems like everything's come together uh, really well of late for them. And how much of that, Duncan, do you think we can attribute to the players finally buying into Dwayne Casey's um, system and maybe uh, him finally getting a firm grasp of what he's got with the players on this team. Um, there's probably some of both. Um, I, I don't know that I would necessarily say that uh, the systems run like a, a really firm, rigid system under Dwayne Casey. Um, but what I do think is that now that uh, – Reggie Jackson, I think, is probably the healthiest he's been in about three years. Um, I think that that enables them to do more things than just put the ball to Blake and have him pound the ball into the paint. Um, you know, you can still do some pretty good things with uh, with Blake Griffin and everything, kind of funneling around him. Um, but you have a lot more uh, flow and freedom and creativity when you can also run that pick and roll with, with uh, Reggie and, and Andre. Um, so I think that it really is it's giving them more options, and um, it's making it a lot harder for defenses to key off on them. Because uh, you know when it was just Blake and the <laughs> Blake and four misses that you you put around him, uh, it was really easy for defenses to just key off and send two or three people at him um, as soon as you get the ball in his hands. And teams can't do that anymore uh, because Reggie Jackson has that a burst that, uh, that he has been missing so badly this, these last couple of years. Um, so, you know, I, I think that there is some, some more buying in, uh, to what 
Casey's trying to do, but I think more than anything, I think uh, Casey is kind of trusting his roster a little bit more than he did earlier in the season, and I think that's largely uh, due to um, Reggie Jackson's health and uh, improved play. I think it, I think that's the biggest thing. I think that um, Casey's just letting him do more, um, and that's because he's he's not nearly as terrified to have the ball in Reggie Jackson's hands as he was the first half of the season. Well, looking at the East, Detroit sets at the six, tied with Brooklyn, who's the seven. Right now, Orlando is the eight seed, and Charlotte and Miami are nine and ten. And Orlando, Charlotte, Miami are all tied. They're both, they're all three, eighteen and a half back of first place. Detroit and Brooklyn are sixteen back. So, basically, you're looking at two and a half games separating six and through ten in the East. Three playoff spots, five teams. Who do you think are the two teams out, and who's the three teams in? Detroit, Brooklyn, Orlando, Charlotte, Miami. Um, I'm always kind of tempted to lean towards the hot team. And right now, uh, if we're looking at just like the team side for eight, um, now that's the Magic there. They've won seven of their last ten. Uh, the Hornets and the Heat have kind of fallen off, although actually the Heat uh, a couple wins in a row. Um but they've called, they've kind of fallen back from uh, I think their peak was like six or seven a, a couple weeks ago. Um, so I kind of lean towards the Magic maybe taking that eight seed. Uh, the Nets have kind of struggled a little bit, but I think that they're probably either the best or the second best team in that five uh, that five team um, morass. <laughs> uh, so I I kind of feel like it's going to be Pistons, Nets, and Magic, some combination of that for six, seven, eight. Okay. Tim, uh, anything else you want to run by Duncan? Sure. Any quick thoughts about Golden State signing Andrew Bogut for the 10th, their last, uh, their last roster spot? Um, I think he'll be good for depth. I don't think that he's really going to probably matter a whole lot, um, either in the stretch run or in the playoffs. Um, he'll probably get some minutes if uh if there are foul if there's foul trouble um, at the you know top end of the roster or whatever uh if there's injuries or whatever but i think the warriors probably wisely shy away from using him in really meaningful minutes if they can avoid it i was kind of surprised that they went down that route that they couldn't really find anybody any better yeah um buyout market can be really weird though i mean wayne ellington jumped on the pistons and that never happens uh, not, that, not that Ellington is like a, a real significant needle mover as a, a buyout guy, but um, sometimes you know teams just have. Uh, I guess have they a sort of do. They do have there. some history with him, right? But the general they manager know, knows him, so maybe that's maybe the redeeming the final the final reason. It just caught me as really off guard that somebody who was playing over in I think it was Australia, I believe. Yeah, well, I I think the first uh, Warriors championship, I think Bogut was on that roster, was he not? Yeah, he was. Yeah. Okay, well, there you go. So, All right, so then, yeah, yeah. fair enough, then. There's some history. I was yeah, kind of hoping that David Lee would get re-signed by the Warriors, maybe get him a ring. That would have been nice. Uh, everybody just comes home uh, again. <laughs> yeah, just everybody coming back. And the Warriors re-signed Baron Davis and uh, – <laughs> that would be fun. I would enjoy, I would actually enjoy that. I wouldn't get mad. I like Baron Davis and uh, Jason Richardson yeah, the, the is back word. now. 
Right. Yeah, the Warriors can just pick one guy off the scrap heap and give him a ring every year for the next uh, <laughs> next two or three years. <laughs> uh, Nick Young. One... <laughs> yeah. Oh God, Swaggy. <laughs> yeah. NBA champion <laughs> Swaggy. The swaggy, yeah. swaggy Don't world champion. Um, yeah. I have a question for you, Duncan. About uh, I'm looking at the three, four, five in the West: uh, Oklahoma City, Portland, Houston. With Paul George sitting out a lot, the Thunder have kind of slipped down uh, a little bit. Denver's moved up. Oklahoma City, though, they're still at the three. Of those three teams, and they're all going to make the playoffs, but who is the most – who's the team you wouldn't want to match up with there, Oklahoma City, Portland, or Houston come playoff time? The team I would least like to match up with is the Thunder. If they're healthy, they are just – they're terrifying, you know. Um, the, the defense is uh, – it's kind of hit or miss, but when they really crank it up, um, you can't do anything. They're just – they're just this frenzy of activity defensively. Um, you've got Paul George, who probably nine times out of ten is going to be the best player on the floor in a game. Um, and Russell Westbrook. I mean, he's – it's hard to exactly know how to quantify him these days because he is one perhaps like the worst volume shooter in the NBA. Uh, but at the same time, like there's no denying like his uh, his overwhelming impact. Um, really, might be the best way to describe what he does. He's just he's impact. <laughs> um, so yeah, I I think the Thunder are probably the team that I would be most concerned about. Um, and I think the Blazers are a better team than the Rockets overall. But then the Rockets have James Harden, um, who is a problem, <laughs> and. Um, yeah, I I think probably the way the standings go right now, um, with like the the Thunder in three and then the Blazers and Rockets in four and five, uh, that's probably the order that I would go in uh, the the teams I would least like to have to face in the playoffs. Do you think anybody at all has a chance to dethrone the Warriors this year, or do you think it's just theirs again? I feel like until somebody finally beats them, I'm just going to assume that it's going to be theirs. Um, you know, they've kind of just meandered through the entire season and, um, you know, overall their body of work is not super impressive. They're 44 and 19, which is just an ungodly number of losses for a team like this. Um, but, you know, they also could not care less about like this whole what, five month, six month stretch of, of regular season. Yeah. Um, no, they look bored. <laughs> they're bored, and with good reason, you know. I mean, they're they're definitely looking ahead, and it's hard to blame them for that. Um, so we haven't seen the Warriors at their best, I'm quite sure. Um, but you know, you're you're a sweat mark on the floor, taking Steph Curry out for a, a playoff series or something like that, um, away from you know maybe a real element of uh, uncertainty being introduced. So I think that. Injury is notwithstanding. Um, I think they're just massive, massive favorites to win it again, um, like massively over the the whole field, really. Uh, but, you know, injuries are the, the real equalizing factor in, uh, in situations like that. So, barring injury, I would, I would say the Warriors probably by a landslide. Okay. Uh, Tim, any more questions for Duncan? No, I think we're good. Wrap it up. Okay, well, cool. one more. Is James Harden step back a travel to you, Duncan? Now, this is very oh, I wanted, I was going to ask that, but I thought it was kind of 
really not worth asking. <laughs> I kind of default to um, – I'm not, I'm not sure if you're familiar with uh, Coach Nick B-ball breakdown. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, he says it's not a travel, so that's good enough for me. <laughs> well, I disagree with him too. But in you, it's okay. <laughs> That's fair enough. Have a strong no argument again. As long as they, <laughs> as long as they don't call it, it's not a travel, yeah. right? Yeah, I mean, if you're if they're not going to yeah. call it, I do it. I mean, I can't blame the guy. But yep. Duncan, it, as long as it's working, yeah, yeah. and it works well. Duncan, so. <laughs> thanks again for for getting on here with us and talking some NBA around the league and and basically hitting some some big topics. And uh, we really want to bring you back soon, maybe closer to the playoffs. We'll sure. get you back on, talk a little more. Uh, won't you let our you listeners bet. know where they where they can find you and uh, keep up with your work? Sure. Um, I'm currently I'm writing for Hoops Habit, um, and I am doing some freelance stuff for the basketball writers. And you can follow me on Twitter at Duncan Smith MBA. That's right. And yes. according to his Twitter profile. He's here to respect his elders. So, Duncan, thank you so much for all that. <laughs> you bet. My pleasure, guys. <laughs> Thanks Thanks again. Hope to have you back soon. Cool. Well, that was Duncan Smith from Hoops Habit and B-Ball Riders, and we will be right back right after this. Personal injury, product liability, workplace accidents, mesothelioma law, social security disability, unfair insurance practices, family law, employment discrimination, and more. All this can be handled at New Law Office with Stephen P. New. It's New Law Office with Stephen P. New. You can get your free consultation today by calling 1-800-208-9169 or 304-362-7345 for your free consultation. A new level of personal service, whether you've been injured or facing divorce or experiencing workplace discrimination, you can rely on compassionate, thorough representation from New Law Office. Be sure to contact Stephen P. New Law Office at newlawoffice.com or again, get your free consultation at 1-800-203-9169. Stephen P. New, answers to your legal questions. And again, thanks to new law office, Stephen P. New. He's the man. He just got him a new Wide Men Can't Jump shirt the other day. Tim, you should see it. He looks great in it. I'm so, I'm so jealous. <laughs> Yours is coming soon, my friend. I Don't until I get mine. I'm just, I have to be jealous of everyone who has it. <laughs> and again, if you're interested in getting a Wide Men Can't Jump t-shirt, just hit us up at Wide Men Can't Jump dot com where we have the shirts they are available sizes small through 3x and we can hook you up and coming up soon special order special made women's wide men can jump t-shirts women's v-neck so for that special one in your life who loves the hoops as much as you who you take to all the games and spill the beer on looking at you ed bogus you need to get your woman a wide men can't jump t-shirt as well Specialty for the women. And Rachel Miller. Let's not forget her. Yes, Rachel, we're talking to you as well. You know, fun fact, she actually uh, posted that she had four WVU tickets available for the game tomorrow night, but she said, you'll have to sit with me. And there you go. Oh, what punishment. <laughs> just, a, just a quick disclaimer. 
attractive woman, smart woman. Couldn't be a bad time. Just couldn't be. Unless you don't care for, for Virginia or West Virginia, of course. Then you of might course. be in a rough call, then, 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 you, then you may have issues. But anyway. You're probably going to get punched in the head if you don't care for the Mountaineers. But. Or the Jazz. You better root for the Jazz as well. <laughs> you better have a man crush. <laughs> on Quinn Snyder. But anyway, speaking of college basketball, Tim, let's right. take a look at this. Let's take a look at this week's rankings. Let's look at the top twenty-five. Let's see how everyone is. Uh, <clears throat> everyone slightly better up. than they were last week. Number one still is Gonzaga, receiving forty-two of the first-place votes, followed but closely by number two, Tony Bennett's team. He didn't leave his heart in San Francisco, Virginia. Remember, Virginia is the first team to ever get beat by a 16 seed in the NCAA tournament. They are 26 and two, receiving 21 of the first place votes. Moving up to number three, North Carolina. The Tar Heels are the number three team in the country right now. They were fifth, so they've leapfrogged and moved over Duke, who falls to number four. They were three. They received one first place vote. Wonder who it could have been. At number five, I don't know who it was. <laughs> at number five, it's Tennessee at twenty-six and three. They were seventh after they got their big win over Kentucky. Kentucky is now sixth. They were previously fourth. Kentucky's twenty-four and five. Seven is Michigan, who moved up two spots. They're twenty-six and four. Texas Tech goes from eleven to eight. They're twenty-four and five. Michigan State drops from six to nine. They're 23 and 6. LSU goes from 13 to 10. They're 24 and 5. Purdue goes from number 14 to number 11. They're 22 and 7. Now, here's, a, here's one that, that people may call a snub Houston, 27 and 2. They drop from 8 to 12. So, no respect for a two loss Houston. Yeah, unfortunately for Houston, not a lot of. Uh, high quality competition on there. Yeah, on Kansas there, goes. Docket, but. Rock chalk Jayhawk. Kansas goes from fifteen to thirteen. They're twenty-two and seven. Florida State. The Seminoles go from eighteen to fourteen. They are twenty-three and six. And here's here's the team, Tim, that sh- has shocked me this season, at how good they are. From twenty to fifteen, the Virginia Tech Hokies. Who go who move up and they're twenty two and six. Marquette goes from ten to sixteen as they free fall. They're now twenty three and six. Quick, Nevada uh, quick, quick what, note what on that Virginia Tech. They have six losses. Four of them mm-hmm. are to our top ten ranked teams. Yeah, so Virginia Tech very those, good this year. Yeah, if very you throw those out of there, they're looking pretty pretty good. Uh, Nevada goes from 12 to 17. They're 26 and three. So no love for the Nevada record either. Uh, Kansas state, the wildcats go from 16 to 18, 27 and seven Buffalo from 21 to finally into the top 20. They're 26 and three Cincinnati goes from 23 to 20. They're 25 and four Wisconsin goes from 19 to 21. They are 20 and nine. That let's just stop there for a second. Yeah, That's okay. strange they're, to see a nine-loss team, yeah, a nine-loss team in the top twenty-five. 
somehow that there, there's got to be a better team out there than than that. That that just doesn't work for me. That one there. I'm looking at their losses. They, I mean, they've lost to uh, uh, they lost to Virginia, but that was early on in the season. Uh, they lost to Maryland. They did beat Michigan when Michigan was ranked second, so that probably got them a bit of love. But then they've lost to Michigan since then, lost to Michigan State. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Wisconsin getting a little love there, but maybe they don't deserve. Uh, there's got yeah, there's got to be a team with a better record kicking around who should be in there about that. Well, <clears throat> at 22 is Wofford, 26 and four. They were previously 24th. Then Villanova is back in the top 25. They were unranked, and they go up to 22 and eight, and they move up to 23. Maryland drops from 17 to 24. They're also they're also a nine loss team. They're 21 and nine, and the University of Central Florida goes from unranked to 25. Other teams receiving votes include Auburn, Mississippi State, Iowa State, Utah State, Washington, VCU, Louisville, New Mexico State, Baylor, Belmont, and Old Dominion. So that's the top 25. What stands out to you there with the NCAA tournament fast approaching? Well, first off, and we know why, but Duke at four obviously is a bit of a, even though we know why they're there, we're not used to seeing them that low. Um, And on that notice, there is talk out of Duke that uh, Zion Williamson may not see the court again until March Madness. That is the talk. And even then, apparently, there are some questions about his knee injury that have popped up. Of course, that's yeah. all hearsay yet. But that is a story that that uh, because of course they don't want to they don't want to wreck him. They, they know, if he's going to go number one and all that. They want him to go healthy number one, not not hobbling number one. Uh, for me, some of the other ones. I mean, obviously, Houston at twelve is a that's a rather interesting one that you're not used to seeing even in the 25, let alone that high up. I always like that because I'm so, because I'm older. I look at them and I miss the, I immediately miss the teams. I, I automatically equate with the uh, NBA, with the NCAA groups like Indiana and places like that, that are, aren't on, that just aren't powerhouses anymore. We've got yeah. a lot of, uh, I mean, I don't East even know. Yeah. Yeah. There's another one. Nobody from the, like there's UCLA, USC, Washington, none of those teams. Like there, there's nothing from the West Coast on here. Not a, not a drop. <laughs> I guess they're. Yeah, I mean that's one. it's interesting. It's Count interesting. To take it. Yeah, but I mean, it's surprising. I mean, I don't even know where Wofford is from. I got to be <laughs> honest with you, I have no idea. I've heard of them, but I'll be honest with you, I've, I've uh, never somewhere heard. in the somewhere in the south, I believe. I don't think that's a Western. Like, what happened to Western basketball? Where did it go? Is it that bad, or is the Eastern teams just that good? Wofford is in South Carolina, Spartanburg. What a surprise. Um, and I don't then know. the other one I mean, to me that really jumps out is UCF. Because we're used to seeing them in the last, what, maybe four or five years, they've, they've reared their head in college football, but not anything I've seen in uh, basketball before. So that's a, that's a new one for me. 
Yeah, I mean, the attraction, you got to remember, attraction of a good basketball or a good football team, you can also get More athletes. money. More, More money. money. And that attracts athletes. And, you know, who knows? Maybe they maybe they just attracted the right athletes for the basketball program. Granted, they're 25th. But that's I'm trying not to take away from that. Um so, but yeah, I think that's uh, I think that's pretty cool that that they're there. Yeah, but, but yeah, you're right. I'll be honest with you. I can't say that I've paid that much attention to the West Coast and NCAA this year. But I normally don't every year. It's one of those eh, I kind of do, but at the same time I kind of don't. How does that sound? I don't. And that, that makes me feel bad. Makes me feel bad. When you're on the East Coast, it's hard. It's hard to be able to watch them because they're on so late. True, but you know, usually Saturday you would, you would get to see uh, UCLA or USC play usually. But I have, I couldn't even tell you anything about them this year. Don't know if I'm. Well, Nevada is up there. So Nevada's kind of been the the West Coast representative this year, if, if you've had to pick one. But All right, yeah, let's look at that. I was just going to take a quick look at why the uh, Pac-12 is basically non-existent. Go ahead. Um, let's see here. I'll tell you what. Tell you, go ahead and look the, you go ahead and look that up. And we'll go ahead and listen to uh, what our sponsors have to say from Cam Bay. Get going. Are you sick of the boring, same old campsites with the same old girls and the same boring content? Well, now's your chance to jump over to a brand new website called cambay.com. C-A-M-B-A-E.com. When you're on Cambay, whatever you want and whatever you desire is right at your fingertips. Be sure to join right now and use promo code WIDEMEN to get 20 free credits on Cambay.com. Use those credits to go towards whatever your fantasy is and make sure that you know Cambay.com wants to make you as happy as you can be. Be sure to join right now. Again, it's Cambay.com, C-A-M. BAE.com and unlike college, it's not going to take you guys 20 free credits to finish. So join cambay.com right now, use promo code WIDEMAN and get your free credits. And again, thanks to our sponsors at cambay.com. Tim, do you have it pulled up now, my friend? Well, I do, and it becomes readily apparent very quickly why none of those teams are there. Uh, Washington leads the Pac-12 at uh, 23 and six overall, and they got votes. I believe you said they had votes for the top 25, but weren't in it. Mm-hmm. And after that, we take a we take a drastic drop to Arizona State is 20 and nine, and then we get like UCLA is 16 and 13, the Trojans are 15 and 14. Stanford's fifteen and fourteen. Cal is seven and twenty-two. Wow. The Pac-12 isn't the Pac-12 is not very good. And don't forget um, uh, Ari- the Arizona. Arizona is normally a powerhouse. 
they're 17 and 13 overall. Like they don't have good enough records to get in. Yeah. Sure. A lot of those teams aren't even going to make the 64. Yeah, that's going to be close uh, on most of those because uh, normally you can get in uh, depending on who you yeah, are with a 19 win. I mean, you almost, if you have a 20 win season, you're almost guaranteed to get in. Yeah, if you're yeah, a, right, right. a power yeah, five right team. now, that's two teams in the Pac-12, and that's it. Nobody else is even close. Yeah. So <laughs> we'll, we'll have to wait and see how that goes. Yeah. I mean, that's one of those where you're kind of – you don't really know for sure, and you look at the look at the lineups and look at all the look at what's going on. But again, that's a, it's college basketball. We're coming down to it here. It's March. Yeah, we're uh, we there. should be. Yeah, we're getting close to the conference tournaments. Uh, those are coming up really quick, and it's going to be an interesting time to see what happens with college basketball and and who who it comes down to. Honestly. Well, this year it's looking um, – I mean, we would have said that Duke was pretty much the – would have been the favorite, I guess you could say. But now with the the injury and all that, they aren't anymore. I don't know mm-hmm. if there's a clear cut – that anybody is a clear cut, you know, barring well, some kind of major upset they're going to turn out I never, to be, uh, on top. I, I never like to bet on Gonzaga, ever. Virginia seems to be a choke artist every year as well. North Carolina doesn't do it for me. If Zion's hurt, Duke's, it's hard to pick Duke. Kentucky's not amazing. Tennessee's kind of whatever to me. This could be a year. If if Zion's healthy, it's hard to pick against Duke. But if this could be a year, Tim, where we're looking at some school from, you know, a six or seven seed could come out of nowhere and shock the world and win the tournament. this is a year where you, we might get multiple sister gene storylines where a team yeah. that yeah. is an 11 or a 12 or whatever comes out and hammers a four because that four is not really that good. <laughs> you know, they're, yeah. they're, I mean, it's they're, they're, well, I mean, right now, if we are, if we were going to go just with the top 25 rankings, uh, by logic, that means the first uh, 16 teams, the 12 to 16 should be the four seeds, right? Or 13, yeah. 14, 15, 16. Okay, well, those teams have all got six and seven losses. So you couldn't be all that surprised if a team from a weaker conference that was, you know, I don't know. But we, say, we saw it last year where teams were coming in, you know, 21 and three from from the MAC or something, and nobody had even heard of them. But it wouldn't, you know, it's not that much of a shock if they knock off a, a Marquette who's 23 and six. Yeah. I mean, you know, it, it wouldn't be shocking. I mean, it, it should be really interesting, and that's—I mean, of course, I wouldn't have it any other way. That's—that's that's when it's the most oh, yeah. fun. When you have no clue who's going. Exactly, and and that's what makes the tournament so good, and what makes it so much fun, and that's why we look forward to it every year. And we will have a group, and we'll talk more about that as things as we get closer to the tournament. But one thing that we need to to look at this week, especially with everything that's been going on, Tim, is, well, you know, Bush Lee. That's right. That's right. It's Bush Lee. When I hear that Bush League, I start. I get a picture of Nelly and Kelly Rowland in a video. That's what I see. 
<laughs> wow. Well, Tim, why don't you go ahead and head on over to Twitter and check out the Bush League nominees <laughs> for this week? Stomped to about one Oh, my uh, God. But well, the, head on over to Twitter. The last three posts I just posted have the Bush League nominees in them. And I want you to. That would be. You, that also would be Nelly with the Band-Aid, not without. <laughs> of course, I mean, I mean, what's Nelly without the Band-Aid, right? I mean, come on. All right, I I am officially on the greatest Twitter account in the continental United States. All right. Well, let's look at our first nominee here. The Suns score on the Lakers, and then LeBron James goes to throw the ball inbounds after the play, and he throws the ball, and Tim, it hits the backboard, and that's a turnover. Ball goes back to Phoenix. <laughs> oh, it's a sad moment for the oh, King. Bron. Oh, man. <laughs> Can somebody get a bink for baby Bron Bron? Oh, oh my Bron. goodness. LeBron, I mean, come on. What I love the most about him, though, is that he stands there. It's somehow like one me. Yeah, it wasn't his fault. But, yes, it was, one LeBron. Me. And you know you know what it actually was, don't you? That's Bush. Bush League. You hear me? Yes, yes, it is. <laughs> he was actually trying an over-the-backboard shot. He forgot what end of the court he was on. <laughs> <laughs> All right, our second Bush League nominee is uh, a video from Bleacher Report. (laughs) This one one was funnier to me than a lot of things should have been. LeBron James is playing defense, right? And as as you you can hear me watching the clip right now, LeBron goes to block. He's playing defense. (laughs) And apparently he gets lost in the paint somewhere. And his man creeps out to shoot a three. And Kyle Kuzma, from behind, pushes LeBron James out to the perimeter to try to block the shot. (laughs) Like he's a human shield. (laughs) He just pushed him. It was like, dude, your man's out there. (laughs) Out of my way, old man. (laughs) You're not going to play defense. What the hell are you doing? (laughs) We know, we know that you only are responsible for the offensive plays, but really. It's like, come on. At least pretend. LeBron, yet again, sad. LeBron. Yet again, LeBron. I mean, that is Bush League. It really yeah, at least is. He, at least he nailed them at the, at the end, at least. Well, this, this next clip is not LeBron James, so don't panic. It won't be a clean sweep for the King as this, this right here. Been. This this clip is hilarious. It's an ESPN clip, a college basketball game between Marquette and Villanova. And Marquette passes the ball, and it misses the hands of the man on the perimeter. And it hit this poor guy in the face who's standing out on the out of bounds, who's a fan, and bounces straight up in the air and comes back down. <laughs> And hits him on top of the head for the second bounce. <laughs> what's What's funny is that he's already like when you slow it down, he he's already panicking as the ball's coming towards him on the on the pass or whatever that was. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and he and he turns away, which is the first thing you shouldn't do. 
like your hands not work? Like put them in front of your face and catch the ball, dude. But then to turn <laughs> away and take the second the rebound in the side of the head. Only thing that would have made that better is if he would have like went soccer style and and headed that sucker out into the basket. That would have been hilarious. But oh god, yeah, that was that was oh, hysterical. Uh, we had to laugh at that one because for that poor man, unfortunately, that's Bush League. Ah. That's Bush and he looks League. Offended. All right, Tim. That that's the other part that kills me. He looks offended. What he happened does. to did did the LeBron? I'm going to roll the ball down the court. Nobody touch it. Nobody touch it. Nobody touch it. I'm going to snatch it up and throw throw up a super three and miss. I'll that tell you what. I kind of I kind of gave him the benefit of the doubt. I did, uh, and here's why. <laughs> And here's the only reason I gave him the benefit of the doubt. He was trying to get a two-for-one. He was. He was trying to get a two-for-one there. So it was funny, but he was trying it to get a two-for-one, uh, trying to score. The, uh, so I'm not going to knock him for that. The, the play itself wasn't Bush League. It was the uh, the carrying out of it that didn't turn out so well. But It didn't look right. But, again, I still think he made the right call trying to get the two-for-one. So I left that one out this week. So, there. That's just how it is. So I'm 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 gonna have to go with. Uh, uh, I, I'm really liking. I mean, the off the head thing's pretty good, but that's not a player. That's just a fan. So they're allowed okay. to be a little bit push. They're allowed to be a little bit push. I'm gonna All have right. to go with. Uh, uh, LeBron wins the Academy Award for lazy. And Kyle Kuzma gets the uh, supporting <laughs> actor award yeah. for trying to make it look like LeBron is on on his game still. I'm gonna go. Okay. With, I'm gonna go with that one. I like that one. Right. I'll have to yeah, agree with you because too, but. because when I saw that, I, I literally laughed very hard out loud. So I thought that well, was funny as well. Near, so. It's damn near a repeat of we didn't have it on, but I think it was maybe two weeks ago where he was standing yeah. in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> With his arms up in the air, like, what's going on? And it's like, dude, it's not everybody else. It's you. It's a basketball <laughs> game, LeBron. You've played them before. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Why do you appear to be so lost, sir? Because you shouldn't be. Well, that's uh, Bush League for this week. Bush I hope you guys League. enjoyed it. LeBron James, you have won. You will receive a gift card from Hillcrest Retirement Services in Madison, West Virginia. No, so. no, no. no. No, Come hang we, will out. Send you, we will send you a shirt on the condition that you wear it the entire game when you're not on the when you're not out on the court. If you're on the bench <laughs> or doing anything else, you have to have the shirt on. Or that. We can do that, too. Including interviews. Imagine how much, you know, what kind of traffic you'd get if tomorrow morning uh, all over the ESPN highlights is LeBron James with that shirt on. Be cool. But until then, LeBron, you're the winner this week yeah, but- of Bush League. Bush League. All right, and that's Bush hey, League. Have, we, have we, got, uh, we got a minute for a little something? Yeah, go ahead. I, I thought probably now is as good a time as any. Okay. We should probably we should probably throw out there quick that uh, on. Uh, what was that? Monday. Mm-hmm. Was it Sunday? Sunday was uh, our our baby boy, Tom Robinson. Yes. His better half had a birthday. We she will did. not say how 
We will not say how old she was because we, well, we value our lives. Um, and I don't know how old, so. <laughs> I actually do, I actually do, but I won't say. Um, but just a quick shout out to Robin. She's uh, looking after our little, little TR, our baby. Definitely. Our, Definitely. Our and we. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was just well, going to say. He definitely needed some looking after. And... <laughs> Indeed. Indeed. But we were going to uh we're gonna we're gonna get TR back on real soon. He he's working a whole lot more now. Um he's just he's staying busy and, and we will get him back on soon. I miss him, Tim misses him, and we know you guys miss him too. TR's a fun guy and uh, we promise he'll be back soon. We hope hopefully next week if we can if we can arrange it somehow. We'll have him back on next week, and uh, we'll talk about we'll talk some hoops. That the millennials in California are dying for a Tim and Tom show, absolutely dying. Yeah, definitely they are. I mean, look at the material that's been around the last couple of weeks. I know, I know. (laughs) All speaking and speaking of birthdays, Tim. Since uh, you're passing out birthday happies, happy oh, birthday! Well, I wanna... can't do that. I no, no, no! I want to wish that. a happy birthday. I want to wish a happy birthday to my sister. Yeah, nice try there. No, it is her birthday. March sixth is her birthday. I thought her birthday was. A, it's not the same day as yours. No, my sister's birthday is March sixth. I want to wish her a happy birthday. Oh, well, I will say then that the Facebook post which I saw was very, very misleading, and I feel used. <laughs> it's not the same day. We're four days apart. So it's happy sort birthday! Of insinuated that it was the same day, and I'm a little hurt. <laughs> it's not the same day. We're four days apart. Twelve years okay. and four days, but we we're our birthdays are, are close. So well, happy know, birthday! How old, how, how old was that picture? Uh that was from summertime. Not even a year old. Well, I'm going to tell you something. Sister's looking good. Oh Jesus! Tommy, <laughs> <laughs> you know, Tommy, yeah, yeah. You know she's ever looking for some free health care. <laughs> <laughs> Don't even yeah, start. Yeah. Yes, no, very, I'm sure. No, very attractive lady. Looked looked uh, looked like a really nice lady. Looks, I don't know her so after that, but all I got to go with. But yes, I did want to wish her a happy birthday. Her birthday is is as we speak. So Wednesday, March. Oh 6th. wow! You have a spectacular. It's oh yes. Never mind. We almost pulled back the curtain there. <laughs> <laughs> you got anyway. Anyway, yeah. Let's get a segue. Segue. <laughs> <laughs> segue. We're gonna talk. Oh, we're gonna go now. I just had I had a chance to sit down with Brian Fonseca, who it covers the Brooklyn Nets for more organizations and more online sites and more places that I could even tell you that he covers. Brian Fonseca. We talked Brooklyn Nets basketball. We talked about a lot of things in the East and the playoff picture. And he's a great guy. He's been on the show before. So let's go to my talk with Brian Fonseca about the Brooklyn Nets and Tim when we come back we're going to do your favorite segment of the show where we look at past draft picks so yes. you got all that to look forward to 
And we'll be right back after my talk with Brian Fonseca. Joining me right now is the content creator and sports media reporter for so many different online sites of, about the Brooklyn Nets that I can't name them all in this 20-minute interview, Brian Fonseca. Brian, thanks for jumping on with us. Anytime, guys. How you been? Doing okay. Doing okay. Thought we'd uh, stop in and check on the Brooklyn Nets, who have been a surprising team this year for a lot of people, but some people actually saw this coming. They're sitting at 500 right now tied with the Detroit Pistons for that sixth seed, which to me is a very important seed in the East uh, for the playoff run. What's Brooklyn, As you know, they got a big win last night. Brooklyn has looked good this season. What's been the key to Brooklyn being as good as they have been this year when a lot of people, myself included, thought they would just be a bottom-of-the-barrel team this year? Oh, just, you know, all of the corny things that teams talk about that really actually matter, even though people don't want to buy into cliches in terms of, you know, incremental progress and staying together and, you know, that's that sort of thing. That's really what has gotten them to this point, player development, all that kind of all that kind of stuff when where they were supposed to be done in many ways where they were 8-18 eight and 18 earlier this season. Karis LeVert goes down. Uh, he was actually already down. And he was out for an undetermined amount of time at the time. We just knew that he was going to come back at some point later in the season. And then D'Angelo Russell starts turning it up in January, which is really what made him an all-star. Because before that, it was Spencer Dinwiddie turning it up, and that sort of helped break their funk. All of a sudden, Joe Harris has become an all-around player who's averaging close to 14 uh, points per game and is leading the league in three-point shooting percentage. So, like, all – like – Everything is seeming to go right that can go right, uh, just about with the exception of, you know, a couple of things in terms of losing games that they probably should have won, games that they probably should have lost, and then they still haven't figured out a long-term solution at the stretch four, but again, they're still rebuilding, and I guess that's just a byproduct of other things sort of falling into place. Now they have that to figure out uh, this coming off season. Yeah, and they're going to have a lot of room in the offseason to make some moves. Obviously, they want to keep D'Angelo Russell, and I hear Lakers fans screaming all the way from here uh, about the development of D'Angelo Russell. He's looked great. Uh, Another guy I want to bring up, we'll get back to D'Angelo Russell in a minute, but I'm a big, big fan of Jarrett Allen, rocking the, Mm -hmm. the old fro and just looking like as old school basketball as you can look. But I really like this kid's game. Talk about what he's done for Brooklyn this year. Well, you know, he's obviously a presence inside. He still, you know, has to become a great defender as opposed to just a great rim protector, which he's been. But, you know, he's been a presence for them. And he's somebody who, you know, they nailed that draft pick. They drafted him 22nd overall in 2017. Um, This is famously a a result from the uh, Chris McCullough slash Boyan Bogdanovich deal where they somehow (laughs) got – a first-round pick for Bogdanovich, who at the time wasn't what he's been lately for the Pacers, and that was sent to the Wizards, who got him for basically a couple months, and they felt content with giving the Nets a first-round pick. Jared Allen in that draft wasn't even supposed to fall that far, but 
Lately, you know, he's been solid. He's having a pretty good year. I feel like he can become a double-double guy within the next year or so. So that should be interesting to see. He's gotten plenty of double-doubles this season. Lately, uh, his rebounds have been down. So that's something that, you know, they want to see improvement in. But he is a very good, you know, complementary piece to what they're going to be doing. He does things that modern NBA centers have done in terms of, uh, you know, running from lane to lane or from, you know, end to end, running the floor. He can finish. He can dunk on people. We block shots. So it's just a matter of him also continuing that developmental process because, again, this guy is, uh, I think he's going to be 21 years old in April. So and he's somebody they have under control for a couple more seasons beyond this year. Yeah, I just I just love the way he plays coming out of Texas. He's just such a good player. Um, since the All-Star break, though, a lot of people have been, as you said, paying attention to Joe Harris. His average of uh, 13.7, almost 14 points a game for the Nets. He's playing really well. Had 11 last night in the win, 15 against Miami in the loss. But Joe Harris is an yeah. important piece to this Nets team. And talk about what he does on both sides of the ball for the Brooklyn Nets. Yeah, so he's really – he's having a career year, obviously. And he is – Man, he might, and a lot of people are saying that D'Angelo Russell is a candidate for most improved player of the year, but uh, Joe Harris is rivaling him for most improved player on the team right now because of what he's been able to do. He's become more than just a shooter. Shooting is obviously a specialty, and that's always going to be a specialty. But you watch games, and he's driving in on guys. He's helping out get stops defensively. He's always putting forth effort. And not for nothing, he is probably one of the best players to watch in terms of his pregame shoot-around workout because he, pre- he pretty much simulates everything that he's going to do in a game. Like, he'll demonstrate it out there on the court, and it's really, really fun to watch. Like, if you have a kid or if you know a kid and he wants to become a basketball player, you should have to watch Joe Harris as he's warming up for basketball games because he's really all about preparation, and it's got him to this point. He's somebody who every year he's just made this jump And he's still young, you know, he's still 27 years old, he'll be 28 in April, but he's somebody who eight points a game the first year he was in net, 11 points a game the second year he was in net. Now he's up nearing 14, he's at 13.7, I believe. So this is somebody who every year he sort of made this leap, and they're going to have him again next year. So this is, again, another good complimentary piece that they were able to identify despite having two unspectacular seasons in Cleveland. Yeah, and, you know, you talk about D'Angelo Russell. He said, and I quote, I'm going to win that shit, write it down. So D'Angelo Russell said he he will win most improved player of the year this year. And right now, that's kind of hard to argue. I mean, it's it's him, it's, you know, Siakam. uh, I guess De'Aaron Fox will probably get some votes. Like, there are some guys that are there for most improved player, but um, it – it may be a race between him and Siakam. Some other names are escaping me right now. I know we were talking about Karis LeVert being one uh, way early in the season before he got hurt. Josh mm-hmm. Richardson had a shot at one point, but he's since, like, fallen off a bit. Um, but Russell will definitely be in the conversation. I know he believes that he's – that he obviously believes that he should win, uh, and a lot of other people do. We'll see. Yeah, and I I honestly agree with him because this year he has a career high in blocks. He has a career high in assists. He has a career high in free throw percentage, career high in three-point percentage. Uh, He's taken more and made more threes this year. This is the best field goal percentage of his career. 
He's already scored yep. more points than any season he's ever had uh, in the NBA. His best season before them was the Lakers. He had 1,054 points in his rookie year and hasn't eclipsed 1,000 until this year. He's already at 1,325 minutes. And he's actually down on the, or excuse me, 1,325 points on only 1,947 minutes compared to 1,054 on 2,259 or 2,259 minutes for the Lakers. So D'Angelo Russell is just tearing it up. And he's finally become the player that a lot of us thought he would be coming out of Ohio State. Yeah, no, and and he's also been somebody who's become this, you know, he's an all-star, obviously, although, you know, Victor Oladipo's injury, without that, we don't know what happens. But, you know, he's become an all-star who's led this team, and he turned a corner in January because before that he was having pretty much the same season that he'd been having, um, you know, from October to December. And then January he really hit the switch. I think it was actually right after Christmas he had a big game against Charlotte. And since then he's been – He's been going crazy. And a key thing, another key element to his season is just being healthy because the last couple of years he struggled with injuries. His rookie year he was fine, and then his second year with the Lakers, he, you know, some nagging, you know, miss a game here, miss a game there. I think he only played like 63 games or something like that. And then last season, obviously, he had the arthroscopic knee surgery, which threw off his rhythm where he actually started the season averaging, I believe it was 21.6 assists a game, and this was like the first 12 games of the season. And he got hurt pretty much around the same time Karis LeVert did this year, except he was out for only two months. And then, you know, he was brought back slowly, wasn't even starting until after the All-Star break. So that sort of threw off his entire rhythm. And then when you look at the numbers at the end of the year, they were pretty much the same as the first two years, uh, more or less. Now this year, yeah, he's taken a huge, huge jump. And he's become one of the better point guards in the league who is about to get seriously paid uh, in the offseason by the Nets or whomever. Yes, he is. And uh, Brooklyn heading forward to the offseason, they're going to have a pretty solid uh, little bit of cap space there to sign somebody. But before before we get there, um, before we get to the offseason, I, I do want to bring that up here in just a minute. Let's talk about the Nets right now. Uh, they have a potential playoff run. And it looks like they will get there um, as we wind down the season a little bit if they continue on this pace. They're sitting at the seven seed. Detroit, who has recently just been out of their mind and surged, mm-hmm. got up to the six. The six yeah. seed will more than likely, unless something changes, the six seed um, – uh, well, let's just say as it stands right now because things can change – would play Indiana in the first round. How important would it be for Brooklyn to play an Indiana or a Philadelphia as opposed to a Toronto in the first round for those matchups? Man, I don't think they want Philly <laughs> either. I mean, like, I know I know a lot of people are saying that teams don't want to see the Nets in the first round, but I don't think Philly is a particularly good matchup for any of the teams that are five through whatever, <laughs> you know, because Philly well, has – I'm going to disagree with you on Boston. I think Boston can match up with Philly better than anybody on 5-8, through but um, I can see what you mean with Brooklyn. I think they could from a basketball standpoint, but I just don't think they're going to get it together. Like, I know a lot of people are assuming – I don't know if a lot of people are assuming, but I know some people are assuming that Boston is going to just turn it around at some point 
and get it, you know, get it together and stop whatever internal fights are going on in that locker room. I just don't see it. I just don't personally think that it's going to be figured out in time to make a deep, deep, deep playoff run. And the way I'm looking at it is I'm looking at Philly passing Indiana at some point. I don't know how – I don't know if Indiana's going to stay at four or go to five from there, which would mean Boston will go to four. I'm not sure. But I think Indiana will be in that four or five matchup. We'll probably get Indiana versus mm-hmm. Boston. And I guess Boston wins that series, but then you're talking about Boston versus Milwaukee? Nah, man. <laughs> I don't, I don't, think, I don't think, think Boston – I don't think Boston can beat Toronto. I don't think Boston can beat uh, Milwaukee. I think Boston can beat Philly. They own Philly um, with their matchups. They create problems with Philly. That's the thing. If they can get by Philly, they'll lose in the second round. I think Philly – I think unlike Boston, Philly is going to eventually figure it out soon with – well, I, I would hope so with their chemistry and things like that in terms of, you know, the integration of Tobias Harris and Jimmy Butler still and, you know, that sort of setup and everybody, you know, playing there and Joel Embiid being healthy. My concern with Philly is not so much with Boston. It's with Ben Simmons and whether or not he will, you know, nut up and shoot three-pointers, like when he's wide open and nobody's around him. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I think I think I think if if he can't if he can't act as if he's a threat from there, then you know we're gonna see what happens with that moving forward because we saw how that happened last year, last season. We saw how that unfolded. Um, but regardless, I think that when it you know going back to the Nets, um, their schedule is tougher than a lot of these teams moving forward the rest of the season in terms of like you know Detroit, Orlando, and it's about to start getting tough after I think after this Cleveland game. After this Cleveland game, mm-hmm. because you're going to see well, you're going to see in Atlanta, which by the way is not a not an easy game at all. Atlanta, no. you know, Trey Young's been out of his mind. John Collins has been ill the last few games, but he he should be back soon. Then you have Detroit, who you know that's going to be a tough game because it's for position with. And then you're on the you're on a road trip. You're on the road for seven straight games. And, oh, by the way, when you come back, you're playing teams that you're trying to catch all consecutively, Boston, Milwaukee, Toronto. I think they got Milwaukee twice, get Indiana in that stretch. And then I know the last game of the season they have Miami. And Miami is another team that's, that, you know, that could potentially be a huge game because they're both yeah. going to be fighting for playing spots. So, you know, that, that win last night was important, and every win moving forward is so important because this playoff spot for Brooklyn is not guaranteed at all. They need to keep keep piling up these wins. and. Wednesday against Cleveland is going to be very important. Yeah, there's a lot of important playoff games. Well, games that for playoff potential here as we move down the stretch, uh, especially for Brooklyn. And, and I really hope Brooklyn gets in the playoffs because, to me, they're a team that nobody talks about because they've just got so many players that people forget about. They forget about Damari Carroll. They forget about guys like Jared Dudley and Caracas and Karis LeVert, Shabazz Napier's even there playing – pretty good basketball right now and Alan Crabb is there and of course you mentioned him earlier Spencer Dinwiddie he's turned into a player he was drafted in the second round by Detroit back in 2014 he's turned into a good little basketball player up there in Brooklyn and he gets no love and I think Brooklyn deserves a little bit more love than what they get yeah and he's somebody who last year 
when Jeremy Lin was injured and D'Angelo Russell was injured, he stepped up and had a season that landed him, you know, third and most improved voting. And I was saying that before the injury, and the injury, you know, probably won't affect us too much because he didn't miss that much time. But he's somebody who could be in, in the running and getting most improved votes again because he took another big jump this season where he's up from, I think, around 12 points a game and I want to say over six assists. He's at 17 points a game now, and he was a front runner for six man of the year before he got injured. Now, if he ends the season strong, he could still get that because he's still going to end up somewhere around 60-something games. 60-something games is not going to knock him off, you know, entirely of getting a potential award. So I think he's still in the conversation for six man of the year, and you might see him on some most improved ballots along with D'Angelo Russell and potentially even Joe Harris. The Nets could take the most improved category and just turn it on its head this year. And you know what? It's well-deserved. It's well-deserved. They've played great basketball this year. They've been a team that uh, has really come out of nowhere. I I will be the first to admit, um, I've called almost everything this season that's went on pretty well. I missed out. I, I took the Bulls to be the team that would be the Nets this year, but the Nets have been that team. So mm-hmm. I'm wrong on that one. So Brooklyn has looked good. And uh, I, I'm excited to see what the future holds for Brooklyn. And I hope this offseason moving forward, they've got their eye on a lot of potential free agents. There's a lot of talk about the city of New York, uh, people talking about the Knicks, but it's like, you know, Brooklyn's right there as well. And they've got a better core and more talent already to make something happen. So there could be a potential big free agent shift over to the Brooklyn Nets this offseason. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, in the offseason, I'm not sure what level of, you know, I'm not sure I'm not sure what they're going to do yet. I have an idea of who they may go after and things like that, but there's still too much too much time in between now and then to sort of predict that. And, you know, D'Angelo Russell's contract situation is probably going to be first and foremost because, you know, he earned himself a lot of money playing the way he has. And then from there, you want to see, you know, what, what cap space is left and who's out there and things like that. But, it wouldn't shock me if they walked away with somebody big time. And I'm not saying that, you know, just because I covered the team. I'm saying that because that's something that a lot of people have said in NBA circles that I've heard and Stephen A. Smith even talked about today. Um, So it's going to be fun. It's going to be fun moving forward to see what this can become because, again, a lot of the core, they're young and they're still getting better and they have good leadership in place. So, you know, things are really looking up now. Now it's all about seeing if they can earn the playoffs, uh, earn a playoff spot this season. That's right. And Brian, we appreciate you jumping on here and talking with us. And I want to bring you back as we get closer to the playoffs. Maybe uh, talk a little playoff basketball, providing Brooklyn's still in there. And I really do appreciate you jumping on here and talking some nets with us as we get ready for that stretch run towards the end of the season. Let our listeners know where they can find you at. Um, Twitter would probably be the starting point, and then all the outlets are in the bio somewhere. <laughs> so, uh, just <laughs> at yeah, I just got to be efficient with it now because now it's a lot of places to name just at Brian Fonseca, N-Y-B-R-Y-A-N-F-O-N-S-E-C-A-N-Y as in New York, and follow the Ain't Hard to Tell podcast with myself and Dexter Henry. We are at episode 67. We're 67 episodes in. And we've had a lot of guests, and we're going to be doing some more stuff with that, uh, hopefully this week. 
I hear you. We're actually this is our seventieth episode, so we're right there with you, right right around the same oh, right. uh, same number. Yeah, so. that's good stuff. That's good stuff. It Seven is, is it a big is. number. People don't people don't understand that. Consistency is not easy. <laughs> oh, you're you're especially when you're going during the off season as well. So that's when it gets really yeah. tough. That's yep. all right. But again, Brian, thanks so much and I hope to talk to you again real, real soon. Yeah, no problem. Let me know. Will do. Thank you. And that was my conversation with Brian Fonseca as we talked Brooklyn Nets basketball. And it appears that Mr. Tim Dombrova has vanished from the code. There he is. Wow. We we thought we lost him, but we didn't lose him for long. Welcome back, Tim. I had a small uh, computer glitch. Technical difficulties. Yeah, well, yes. let's go. Let's go ahead and dive into your favorite segment of the show, Tim. Give me a year. Give me a draft pick number. The year will be two thousand and seven. Okay. And because I am number one, let's go with number one. Oh my God! Well, I already know. I already know who it is. I don't even have to look. Oh, the Lord, number one good. draft pick. Well, bad. <laughs> well, the number one draft pick in 2007 was Greg Oden. In case anyone has forgotten about that, <laughs> the greatest basketball player to well, I guess I shouldn't say never play, but close. Well, um, you know what? This is going to give us a little time to kind of dive into this because this is a big pick here. Uh, in 2007, let's go ahead. Let me find uh, – all right. Number one was Greg Oden, okay? Now, let's take a look at some of these draft picks. We'll just look throughout the first round here. Greg Oden goes one. Number two, Kevin Durant. Thanks. Number three number, – yeah. Number three, Al Horford. Number four, Mike Conley. Five, Jeff Green. Six, and here's one for everybody. Yeezy Jolene. So there's that the one for you. Corey Brewer goes seven. Brandon Wright at eight. Joachim Noah goes nine. Spencer Hoff, 10. AC Law, 11. Thaddeus Young, 12. Julian Wright, 13. Al Thornton, 14. Rodney Stuckey, 15. Swaggy P. Nick Young, 16. Sean Williams, 17. Marco Bellinelli, 18. Javaris Crinton, Crintonen, or Crintonton, and oh man, <laughs> Jason Smith goes 20. Daquan Cook, 21. Jared Dudley, 22. Wilson Chandler, 23. Rudy Fernandez, 24. Morris Allman, 25. Aaron Brooks, who could double as a Chris Rock lookalike, at 26. Aaron Aflalo, 27. Tiago Splitter, 28. Alondo Tucker, 29, and rounding out the last pick is Patri Kaponen at number 30. Let's see any second-round picks worth mentioning. Carl Landry, Glenn Big Whoa, Baby Mark, Davis. Mark Gasol. Let me get there. Josh McRoberts was there. Well, there ain't nothing uh, to stop you from getting there because there's a whole Mark lot of Gasol, 
Yeah, Mark Gasol. Uh, and that's that's probably going to do it. Yeah, just that uh, much. No, it wasn't a lot in the second round. Mark Gasol has been a great second round pick, but. All right, Greg Oden. Before we get to Greg Oden's NBA career, because it's been well documented what happened with Greg Oden. And again, this this is Tim and I. We don't discuss this ahead of time. This is completely at random. Greg Oden played one year of college basketball at Ohio State University. Listen to these numbers. Greg Oden averaged per game. 15.7 points per game on 61% scoring and had a 63% free throw percentage. He averaged 9.6 rebounds to go with 3.3 blocks per game as a freshman in college at Ohio State. And let's look here at some of the things uh, they said about him in college. He He announced he was team leaving for Ohio going to Ohio State for 0607 he had to sit on the bench in Ohio State at the beginning of the season because of his wrist he had wrist surgery uh and they were the Ohio State Buckeyes were ranked number 1 uh before they lost to North Carolina Steve Kerr called Greg Oden um a once in a decade player. He came off the bench in his college foot college basketball debut on December second against Val Valparzi or Valparizo. Or Val, Valparizo. Yes. yes. Finished the game with fourteen points, ten rebounds, and five blocks. Let's see here. He was named first team all Big Ten and was voted the defensive player of the year. He fouled out for the first time against Xavier in the second round of the NCAA tournament and was bothered throughout, was in foul trouble throughout the rest of the tournament. He blocked a game-winning shot in the final seconds against Tennessee to get Ohio State past the Sweet 16, and he led them past Memphis and Georgetown to get to the national title game where Odin had 25, 12, and four block shots in the loss to Florida. He, Kevin Durant, Aaron Aflalo, Orlando Tucker, AC Law were named the AP All-American team. And Odin and Durant were the first freshmen, two freshmen to be voted to the All-American team since 1990. They were third and fourth overall. So Greg Odin never lost a home game in college either or in high school. He never lost at home. Now, now we have to go to what we call the sad part of the story. Because Greg Oden, in my opinion, Tim, if Greg Oden stays healthy, he is a fantastic player. I I believe so, but the problem is Greg Oden never met a hamburger Greg Oden didn't like. Well, it wasn't necessarily that either. Oh, Um, yes, he was. was, If you go under the... You got to dig a little deeper for this. He was always considerably heavier than they ever said he was. Like 25, 30 pounds heavier. In fact, the trainer said he was pushing 300 in training camp. So he was not in good shape. And he, he, he wasn't taking care of himself. He should have been, you know, in the 265, 270 range 
not 300, man. That's a putting a lot on the body, boy. I mean, he was a big guy anyway, but yeah, you know, seven seven footers that weigh 300 pounds, um, you know, that's not easy on the knees for anybody. And then he Very that's true. what happened to him. He he got into injury trouble. And, he did. Uh, he missed the entire first season after he was drafted after having microfracture surgery on a right knee. Uh, his rookie year was considered 0809 because of the knee injury. He was listed at 250 pounds, but the Blazers trainer said he weighed about 290 in July. He left his NBA debut with a foot injury after playing 13 scoreless minutes against the Lakers. He came back after missing two weeks and scored his first NBA points against the Heat. On January 19th, he had a career-high 24 points with 15 rebounds against the Bucks, and he injured his left knee in a game against the Warriors when he bumped knees with Corey Maggette, and he missed three weeks due to a chipped kneecap. Odin just never seemed to get over the injury hump, as you would say. Um, well, none, in of them, December, like, none of them two, sound like they're like totally devastating injuries. Yeah. It was 2009 just, you know, like one after another, though. Yeah, 2009 in December, he injured his left knee in his first quarter of a game, taken off the court on two connected stretchers, underwent surgery for a fractured left patella, missed the rest of the season. And November 17, 2010, the team announced Odin would, ha- would have microfracture surgery on his left knee. And that ended the 2010-2011 season for him. And the third NBA season that he had cut short due to a knee injury. And then in 2011, the Trailblazers announced Odin suffered a setback that left them less optimistic about his ability to play in the 2019-2012 or 2011-2012 season. And rather than signing an $8.9 million qualifying offer, Odin and the team negotiated a different offer. In 2012, he had arthroscopic surgery on his right knee and then was scheduled for a procedure on his left knee, similar, and he underwent 17 days earlier, and the operation further damaged to the articular cartilage was discovered, and he had to have a third microfracture surgery. So he missed the 2012-2013 season. 2013, he signed a one-year deal with the Heat. He played in his first NBA game since 2009. And then he attempted another comeback in 2015 and ended up going overseas, signed a one-year deal for $1.2 million. And he had 22 points, 14 rebounds in a game over there. He parted ways with that team, though, um, after 25 games. So Greg Oden, not exactly uh, a highlight career, but he was hired as an Ohio State men's basketball team um, to be the student manager for the team while he went back to finish his degree. And so that's pretty cool that he did go back, finish his degree, and uh, was able to be a part of the Ohio State team after getting his degree. So I think that, I think that's pretty cool that Odom was able to do that um, since he left the NBA yeah, in professional basketball. He did get into a little trouble. But he, he seems did. to have got his act together. So um, I was looking here quick. He did. He, he he managed despite the fact that he really only played what hundred hundred started sixty six games. Yeah, that's 25, it. He 
he made $25 million. Yeah, made a lot of money. So That's what potential be, can get you. Yeah, he should be okay or should be all right financially. I don't know if he is or not, but but he should be uh, be above water anyhow. And like yeah. I said, he was smart enough to go back and get the degree and all that. So, well, Mark. Well, let's, uh, let's dive into these stats here. Uh, his rookie season, he averaged 8.9 points per game with a 1.1 block, uh, seven rebounds per game. And Odin played in 61 games in his first year. He averaged 21.5 minutes per game. His second season, he only played in 21 games. Uh, He started all 21 of them. He averaged 11.1 points per game to go with 2.3 blocks per game and 8.5 rebounds per game. And his free throw percentage increased drastically. He was shooting 76% from the free throw line, which is pretty good for a seven-footer. If if he had lost some weight, if he had lost some weight and stayed healthy, Greg Oden was set to be a monster. Do you think – let me throw this out there. Do you think if Greg Oden comes along, let's say he's – well, let's let's call him Zion Williamson. Kind of the same sort of thing with the injury even. You think now if he comes out now with what had happened to him and they get – they're so much smarter already. I mean, that's 2007, but that's, you know, 12 years ago already uh, with managing minutes and and all that sort of stuff. Do you think maybe he had a much better shot at making it? Based on, based on what we know now, I still don't think it would have been better, mainly because of the fact that Greg Oden wasn't like Zion Williamson in the fact that he was a freak athlete. Greg Oden was a seven-foot monster who was going to play big man ball. Zion Williamson, to me, is a guy who is a big man who can play, who can play like a point guard if he had right, to. Greg Oden couldn't well, do that. No, I'm not, I'm not trying to compare him to Zion Williamson. I'm just saying if he's – instead of Zion Williamson, it's Greg Oden who's the, uh, the number one pick. And the way they do things now, when you get hurt, you sit. You don't play. Big guys don't play the kind of game even 12 years ago that a center would have been playing. Um, yeah. I, I would I would think that his health might have been – they might have got much more of a career out of him. He might have had more of a career, but at the same time, the game has changed so much. And now, if you're a center, you have to be able to knock down a shot. Greg Oden didn't have a jump shot. No, he, he definitely would have had to have lost the. He would have had to have made the commitment to be a little thinner because that three hundred pounds. So I think Greg Oden. I think Greg Oden could have been the last great center, like pure center that plays that specific center style. I don't think he would make it in today's game. Uh, his last year of his career, uh, when he played for Miami, he averaged two point nine points per game to go along with two point three rebounds, and. He, you know, the shooting percentage just stayed about the same. He shot fifty-five percent from the I'll agree the floor. with you that he that he probably wouldn't wouldn't make it in the NBA. And yet, if there's a seven-foot, two hundred and ninety-pound guy coming through college, you know who's getting picked. Yeah, I mean, it's just a different <laughs> game, and the, and the game does evolve. The game changes, but to me, Greg Oden was one of those guys who I honestly thought he would. I thought he would be good. But I thought that Kevin Durant would be better when he came out. He might, but he might be another one too, where the one and done thing. He plays yeah. another year in college. He plays another year in college, and maybe 
um, some of that stuff becomes more apparent, and he doesn't get the the he doesn't go number one. Well, again, Seattle had the number two pick that year, and they moved to Oklahoma City. Um, the, the, not that first year, but the next year of Durant's career, the Thunder honestly. They were going to take Odin or they were going to take Durant. They were basically going to take whoever Portland didn't take. And Portland kind of harkened back to the days when they passed on Michael Jordan and took Sam Bowie instead. And, yeah. (laughs) I've always been a proponent of you take the best player in the draft. If he doesn't fit your team, then you trade him for someone who does. I don't understand where got why guys pick pass up, and it happens all the time in all the sports. You could write ten books on the teams that have been burnt, Cleveland Browns, by making picks <laughs> that make absolutely no sense. Well, we had a need at left guard, but you know Barry Sanders was available, but we didn't think he really fit our team. Well, again, when Michael Jordan came out, nobody thought he was going to be what he ended up being. No, um, but he wasn't. He wasn't a bad player, though. Either. Oh no, not well. Neither was Sam Bowie. So <laughs> Sam Bowie was just another injury-ridden guy, and the guy that that they wanted in Portland was Hakeem Olajuwon, but they lost the coin toss Agreed. that year. So it ended up. You know, you have Akeem, you have Bowie, you have Jordan, all going in the same draft. And wow. Bowie is the guy who everyone looks back on and go, you know, look what happened. He was injury. He was injury like, plagued. Like I said, you could probably write a novel for every team in the league if you sat down and looked at who they picked, who they didn't, who they could have, et cetera, yeah. et cetera. It's, it's why scouts get paid what they get paid, which – my understanding, like being a head scout, is a pretty good job, but oh, absolutely. But your 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 flaws and uh, it, you know it's all out there. You, you can't you can't yeah. you can't but you can't bury any of it. Your mistakes are your hits and misses are very very public. Very so. true. Very true. One more thing, Tim, before we go, and that's been this week's uh, look back <clears throat> at the draft pick segments. Kyrie Irving. Um, has been very vocal as of late from a lot of uh, a lot of outlets as he came out and voiced an, an opinion that I didn't really come to this game to have cameras in my face, be famous, be a celebrity. I wanted those things when I was younger, but now I just want to play basketball at a very high level. Well, what are your I'm thoughts tired. on that? Kyrie, you retire from the NBA and you go to some European league where the pressure's not there and nobody cares and still decent basketball. That's just, you know what? No, but I mean, the two, they go together, right? I mean, yeah. I mean, would you like to give back all that money you're making? (laughs) No. Hell no. I just I just want shit irritate. I mean, I understand that it's irritating too, but you signed up for the gig, dude. He did. That's just the way, that's just the way it is. I mean, are there the Cleveland. that gets a little too crazy? Yes, but 
In the same he breath. Left, he left Cleveland to get out of the spotlight. Or he left Cleveland because he wasn't the main guy, and now he's the main guy, and he doesn't want the spotlight. Go figure. I mean, it so, sounds like, like uh, I mean, I'm not picking on the guy, but uh, Kurt Cobain, you know, I don't I don't want the fame and fortune of, of being a rock star. Well, then don't be a rock star and move to Timbuktu, and you won't have any. <laughs> You well, know? well, seriously, I mean, yeah, I understand. I, I want to play high-level basketball and I want to get paid, but I don't want to be under any scrutiny. Well, no, that's not how it works, Mister. And one last thing well, before we go: LeBron yeah. James's Los Angeles Lakers versus the Los Angeles Lakers of last year. Through 64 games, LeBron James' Lakers, 30 and 34. The last year's Lakers without LeBron James, 29 and 35. One game. Good thing they're, good thing they're paying them about $37 million. Indeed. That's making, that's making quite a difference there. <laughs> well, we hope you've enjoyed this episode of Wide Men Can't Jump. You can follow the show on iTunes, Podcast Static Stitcher, Google Play, FM Flash, iHeartRadio, and anywhere you find your podcasts or over at widemencantjump.com where we have new t-shirts available and coming soon, women's t-shirts for that lovely lady in your life who so needs a Nate, Wide Men Can't Jump shirt. Well, one more thing. One okay. more thing. Tonight's, tonight's games got it from Karen herself. Magic over the 76ers. And Raptors over the Rockets. All right. Well, there you go. There you go. You heard it here. But uh, we hope you've enjoyed the show yet again. I want to thank Brian Fonseca and Duncan Smith for jumping on with us. I want to thank our sponsors, New Law Office at newlawoffice.com and cambay.com for hooking us up. Again, visit widemencantjump.com to check out articles that are going up. Should have a new article coming up. Uh, hopefully around next week sometime uh, if I, if I can get it there, hopefully. And Tim's going to have hopefully another uh, Canadian complaint corner coming soon. Cause those are It'll fun. Be, uh, Nate Bush's 10 greatest wrestling moments. <laughs> Lord, that would be hard. Not, but uh, again, and we do want to, speaking Bush. of wrestling, I'm glad you brought that up. Speaking of wrestling, we want to wish our condolences to the family of King Kong Bundy. Who oh, just recently Bundy. passed away. Yeah, that who, was uh, that who, was bad. Who has not seen the great midget slam and not loved every minute of it from WrestleMania? How can you not? It was beautiful. It was beautiful. It was, and uh, again, we wish him and he, we wish his family and friends condolences on the loss there. Bundy was great. Died way left us way too young. So rest Indeed. in peace, King Kong Bundy, and uh, we hope we hope everyone can remember him fondly. And uh, we hope you'll join us next week for our 70th episode. Tim, Wide Men Can't Score will be back later this week, correct? Uh, looking like Friday, hopefully. If, if we can line all up right, our, good deal. If we can line up get a guest, my, it'll be Friday. Awesome. Get all your hockey news with Tim on Wide Men Can't Score. He'll keep you up to date with that. We will try and get uh, <clears throat> another hold random on, show hold on pop a up soon. Go ahead. Hold on a minute. Hold on a minute. Hold on a minute. What's that? Okay. What? Really? Little T.R. wants wants a minute. Really, okay, do you go really ahead. Need to talk? You really need to talk? Hi, everyone. It's me, Little T.R. 
Anybody see my daddy? <laughs> Where the hell is my dad at? I've been stuck here. Up in Canada, it's cold. These people are crazy. They put like really, really sharp knives on the bottom of their feet and they skate on the ice. These people are nuts. Where is my dad? Dad, here, come and get me now. Yeah, Jesus. Uh, apparently, he's a little pissed off. Apparently. <laughs> yeah. Well, so, anyway, on that note, I hope you guys. On that note, hope you guys enjoyed the show, and we'll see you next week for another edition of Wide Men Can't Jump. And look for more shows around the corner, anytime, anywhere. And you know what that is? That is Segway. Send us home, Tim. You want me to say peace? I'm going to say peace. Where is my dad? I'll give him a piece of my mind. I ain't even gotta say it, that's just something they know. Thanks for listening to the Wide Men Radio Network located at blogtalkradio.com and at widemencantjump.com. Be sure to check out our blogs over at widemencantjump.com and also be sure to check out all the other shows that we put out. You can find us on iTunes, Podcast Addict, Stitcher, Google Play, FM Flash, iHeartRadio, and anywhere you find your favorite podcast. Also, at WideBeanCanShum.com. Visit our store and buy some new t-shirts. They're available now in all sizes. This show is brought to you by the law offices of Stephen P. New at NewLawOffice.com and by Cambay.com. Be sure to visit Cambay.com and use promo code WideBean to get 20 free credits on your purchase. Thanks for listening again, and we'll see you next time for the next episode on the Wide Men Radio Network.